Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Atlanta Business Radio. Brought to you by OnPay, Atlanta's new standard in payroll. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Atlanta Business Radio, and this is going to be a good one. But before we get started, it's important to recognize our sponsor, OnPay. Without them, we couldn't be sharing these important stories. Today on Atlanta Business Radio, we have Blake Patton with TechSquare Ventures and Engage. Welcome, Blake. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to get caught up with what's going on at TechSquare Ventures and Engage. So let us know what you are up to. Yeah, so, uh, well, first, uh, it's great to be with you, and thanks for inviting me on today. Uh, you know, as you know, right, we're an early-stage venture firm based here in Atlanta. Uh, we back enterprise and marketplace technology companies. Uh, we're one of the more active firms here in the Southeast. We've invested in over 90 companies, 90 startups since we uh, launched the firm, and uh, we have our early stage fund, and we are also the venture firm behind Engage, which is an innovative corporate innovation and startup go-to-market program that we partnered with Georgia Tech and uh, 14 large corporations to put together. And you know, it's I guess you know what's what's going on is the same as same as always, right? We are excited to be uh, working with the best and brightest entrepreneurs here in Georgia and outside. About 70% of our companies are based in the Southeast. Uh, the other 30% come from all over. And it's just our privilege to work with amazing founders and, and the really cool uh, innovations they're bringing to market. Now, how have you seen the Atlanta uh, startup community evolve over the years since, you've, uh, since you got started? It's been a hot minute for you since you've been involved in this world. Yeah, you know, Lee, uh, gotten to watch this market evolve from you know, multiple perspectives. I spent most of my career as an entrepreneur um, with some of that here in Atlanta. And then around about a decade ago, I was fortunate to be asked to be the interim head of ATDC, the startup incubator uh, down at Georgia Tech. And it was during that time that I really recognized sort of this momentum building in the Southeast, you know, and, and, and farther back than that, right? We've had amazing entrepreneurial success here. Um, I got to see that during the dot-com days when I was by Excel. Uh, but I, I really saw this sort of critical mass starting to come together during my time down at ATDC, based here in Technology Square. I would look out the window and see the kind of collaboration between the corporates and the uh, the corporate uh, innovation centers opening here and the uh, the researchers and, the and of course, the entrepreneurs. And it sort of reminded me of uh, my time when I was in Boston. I had an office in Kendall Square and was, you know, saw similar dynamics. It was more life sciences then, but really saw this momentum building. And that's that was the genesis of why I jumped in and started uh, TechSquare Ventures. I kept hearing from the entrepreneurs that they, you know, the, about lack of access to capital in the region and sort of saw that as a need and opportunity. And so, you know, fast forward for what we've seen over this past decade, and I think, uh, um, critical mass is the right right word. We, you know, we finally had this base of experienced entrepreneurs from prior successes uh, coming together. We've all worked with each other for years. Um, you know, enough uh, angel and seed capital uh, to support more and more of that activity. Enough entrepreneurs to build those management teams, and um, you know, it's really about connecting 
uh, the ecosystem. So uh, when you look at our firm and what we've done, uh, there's there's really sort of two things that um, that we've tried to build around. First was this recognition that what entrepreneurs need more than capital is access to markets and customers. So they need that connectivity. And then second, um, you know, we realized the best way to do that and build that ecosystem here. And that's really was the, the uh, power behind Engage. And we can talk more about how that came together. But, uh, you know, the vision there was connecting uh these, these large corporates with the innovation that was impacting their ecosystem, connecting them with each other so they could gain cross-corporate learning um, and, you know, and helping the ecosystem grow. So out of that, we get all the market insights from listening to those companies, essentially the customers of what would be our, the startups we invest in. Uh, and we get to apply that uh, into the insights that we invest in. We get to use that to help better diligence and then obviously to help the entrepreneurs. So, on the Engage side, we celebrated our fifth anniversary this year. Uh, super excited about that. We've had um, over 120 contracts between those big companies and the startups since we launched Engage. And, um, you know, so I, I think the uh, short answer to what's going on in Atlanta is uh, just a lot of momentum. And that's really happening because, you know, we're, we're connecting our ecosystem. Now, if, if you were to look back, um, you know, decades ago, and you would see yeah. the in, um, the investment kind of community here, it was primarily like real estate developer driven. And at some point, like you said, probably around 10 years ago, there was this evolution to um, more startup angel type investment happening. W- why do you think um, that was? Was it the fact that so many there had been some exits and the people decided to stay here and reinvest in the community. Is it because of the diversity of the economy that there's so many different little clusters or industries or niches here that allowed that kind of um, collaboration and less kind of cutthroat if there was one industry and there was only one, you know, kind of major player would be, maybe you wouldn't have this kind of collaborative environment that we have today. Yeah, look, I think it's a mix of a couple things. Uh, I, I sometimes joke and say all of us dot com kids are now in our, you know, fifties and forties and fifties, and uh, and and so you know, sort of that stage in the career. But um, uh, but one, I think it is. I think for sure what you said. I think that um, uh, the way a healthy startup ecosystem works, as you know, when their startup success, that creates not only the future entrepreneurs and managers to build the next set of startups, but it also creates wealth and those people are more comfortable investing and supporting that ecosystem. Um, I think hopefully in Atlanta, we've moved past this idea of it being giving back and that it's, it's actually just a smart thing to do. And it's a uh, boring thing to do. I think second is um, this past decade, obviously for lots of macroeconomic reasons, alternative investments became very attractive. And to your point, uh, historically in Atlanta, that, that has meant real estate, um, but, uh, the need for, um, both institutions and high net worth individuals to, you know, put more, more to work, uh, in alternative assets, um, was good timing for all the activity that happened to be building, uh, in Atlanta. And then third is, uh, we had, you know, a lot of visible successes over the last decade that this, those exits that we talked about earlier, where people made money and, um, you know, dozens of experienced entrepreneurs and managers came out of uh, 
people outside the region also noticed that. Um, and we're, uh, when you think about uh, investing in startups, uh, the, this activity that has generally been associated with, you know, the Valley and then the coast, you know, New, New England never start, started to um, spread out. People realizing these large successes were coming from all over the country. And, uh, you know, if you think about having coverage, uh, there were, uh, this is an area that most of the, you know, their prior investments weren't, weren't covering. So there was more interest um, in, in allocating capital and managers that were uh, taking advantage of the opportunities in those regions. So I think a lot came to, you know, a lot of things uh, happened and came, um, came together that fueled all that. And the uh, and then, you know, I think there were things that probably longer than this call, even, you know, you, a lot of the um, what we now call late stage venture capital, you know, uh, 20 years ago was was uh, was really private equity or public markets, you know, companies just staying private longer. So lots and lots of capital that had to be put to work in these private companies at later stages. Um, drew more awareness to the asset class from those capital allocators. They started to, you know, notice and pay attention to where those opportunities were being funded uh, um, upstream from them, and that attracted capital. So, I, look, I think there's just so much going on here, and a lot came a lot came together. And the last thing I'll say is, I think the uh, each ecosystem has its own strengths, and I think Atlanta really finally started playing to its strengths. And from a timing perspective, happened to coincide with when, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago, large companies started to look outside their four walls at innovation. They recognized, you know, 50, 60 years ago, the average lifespan of a company on the S&P 500 was something like, you know, 40 or 50 years. Now it's like 17 or 20. Um, so they recognized the pace of disruption was happening faster and and started to look at innovation outside their four walls, you know, started out. You heard the phrase open innovation from consulting firms, and it's just grown to be um, uh, sort of de facto, uh, you know, instead of just being large tech companies thinking about it, all companies became tech companies and started to think about innovation outside their four walls. So in Atlanta, we've been able to take advantage of that and use that uh, to connect all of those different players. And once you start to connect an ecosystem, um, uh, you know, that's how you get the flywheel turning. And I think that's really what you've seen in the past decade here. And uh, I think you're talking about Engage's work. Can you talk a little bit about maybe the early stages of Engage when you were having those initial conversations with these enterprise level companies and kind of pairing them with startups and, and working together, uh, you know, on projects and maybe beta testing things and seeing if there are fits? Were those conversations easy, hard, and what are they like today? Yeah. So, well, first, it's probably helpful to share a little bit about the genesis um, of Engage. Uh, the uh, the CEO of Invesco, Marty Flanagan, um, and uh, and Bud Peterson, the president of Georgia Tech, had you know, had some conversations with different business leaders that were asking that question and what um, what could be done. And uh, I think you know, we're wise enough to recognize that it's about connecting the ecosystem. It's not just about, is there enough money here? Um, and they reached out, you know, to me and the three of us started brainstorming, uh, what, what would bring, uh, what would bring that connectivity to the region? And that's ultimately what became, uh, engage. And so 
you know, we did what any good startup would do. We kind of hit the road and uh, did customer discovery. Uh, in our case, it was about talking to the CEOs of these large enterprises, large uh, companies, uh, mostly based here in Atlanta. And uh, oh, the overwhelmingly positive uh, reception. Uh, we we had, I think we had 11 initial uh, CEOs we talked to and wound up getting yes yeses from 10 of them. And what we heard from them was really three things pretty consistently. They were looking for access to the innovation that was mattered to their industry. So things that were happening at the edge of their industry, how did they connect with the right startups? What, how did they get a lens into what was going on? Second, they cared a lot about cross-corporate learning. They wanted to connect uh, their leaders and they wanted them to, um, they wanted to see how other industries were applying these new technologies, right? How are they leveraging them and seeing how they can apply that in their industries. And then third, they recognized and cared about, recognized the need and cared about Atlanta and the Southeast being a leading tech hub. It mattered for them as well. If they were going to attract the talent they wanted, um, they needed this region to elevate. So, uh, so there was, a, so from the very top level, there was a, a lot of support. Um, and so we, what we did is we put together this really unique collaboration. We asked them to invest in a fund. We asked the CEOs of those companies to serve on a board. And then we asked each of those companies to assign what we, you know, a quarterback or we call them advisory board members, but kind of a senior innovation person that uh, understood the corporate corporation's uh, strategic and innovation kind of mandates and goals and could also help us navigate and find the right people in those companies, you know, find the right business units. And we started to work with them uh, through a partnership with Georgia Tech to understand uh, their strategic focus areas, and we would, and we developed working groups and looked at areas where they, they had common interests, things like supply chain logistics, you know, AI, data analytics, future work, um, sustainability, uh, uh, topics like that. And we would take those insights we got and go start sourcing startups that were solving those problems uh, that they cared about. And so, in the course of doing that, you know, you're navigating through these companies, you're connecting hundreds and now thousands of executives from across these companies and, um, and, and really kind of closing that, closing that gap. And, uh, that, that startups have always had is, you know, how do I get, uh, how do I get to sell and partner with these large companies and then also helping the start the large companies figure out, you know, these are the startups, um, that are working on the problems you're solving and, and helping coach them on how do they engage, uh, with these startups successfully. Um, and, and so I think the, you know, what, what engage, uh, you know, I sometimes, um, we're only half jokingly tell people it's really a, a big pickup basketball game that just gets all the right people together. And when you get the right people together, that's how innovation happens. Uh, and so, you know, it has not been, um, hard, quite the opposite. I think it, uh, I think if fast forwarding today, five years later, I think our biggest challenge is actually that we've, um, their expectations are higher now than they were five years ago. And so if, if we have any challenge, it's not their level of interest. It's, it's in keeping up with their appetite uh, for, for innovation and, and uh, for us to continue to help build that tool that helps them do that. Now, how do you kind of um, manage the expectations of both sides? You know, from one side, you have the entrepreneur that, you know, is dreaming of, uh, you know, the dog dreaming of catching the car and then catching the car 
uh, you know, it sounds good in their head, but when you're actually working with a large company, you have to be able to kind of scale to their desired outcome. And then you have the large company who maybe isn't used to, um, you know, a failure rate of startups uh, that politically might not be good for their career, you know, to uh, betting on a horse that may not make it. Yeah, that's a great, great question. The right question. The um, So I think with the Engage program, um, you know, we've cracked the code a little bit. So from the beginning, uh, the corporate, our corporate partners are actively involved in helping us select the companies that will go through the accelerator program. So, so they have, they have, um, they're not meeting these startups for the first time after we've, you know, already brought them through the, through the, uh, program. And so they're part of a selection process that leads to us choosing five to eight companies twice a year that go through a cohort, you know, 10 to 12 week cohort experience. And in, during that cohort experience, we do a couple things. We work with the startup to refine their enterprise, go to market and then coach them through it. And we're also working with the corporates to identify which of the startups might be relevant to them. And then we're facilitating these one-on-one conversations. And our team, you know, sits in those meetings, kind of two or three meetings deep with the corporates and helps identify potential um, target areas. And I think both sides, uh, you know, one of the beauties of the Engage program on the corporate side, um, part of what it's done is it's given those executives inside the company, some degree of air cover to take a risk that might be harder to do with something outside the engage program. You know, they, they know they're committed to it. Uh, they trust us as a partner. And so the business unit leaders and business unit heads um, facilitated by their uh, quarterbacks and their innovation leaders in their company can maybe take risks that would be harder to take um, outside of engage. And then also we're helping them identify appropriate pilots. Um, we're sharing best practices that, that we know about Georgia tech is helping. And then we're also, they're also sharing those best practices with each other. So we, we identify appropriate scale uh, pilots to, to help mitigate that risk you talked about. Um, hey, maybe you don't roll this out to all your customers on day one. Maybe we've designed a pilot that's more manageable. Um, and then on the startup side, same thing. It, there, there are, uh, we're, we're helping them to understand why, why those sales cycles are different. What does enterprise sales look like? And, um, and coach them through that, you know, in delivery. And, and so they're getting all sorts of valuable feedback, even in just the nose. And, uh, and I think, you know, that's the difference is, is we are bringing those startups and those corporate executives together. And, you know, I always remind people, we, we in the startup community, sometimes we get in this habit of saying, oh, these are big, slow companies, or they don't get innovation. And, you know, that couldn't be farther from the case. These companies are leaders in their industries because they have the smartest people in the world uh, at what they do working for them. And these people are amazing mentors for us and for the startups. And, you know, and to your point, right, they don't necessarily have the muscle memory. They have all sorts of things that matter for a big company. You know, if you're a very large company, uh, you're very process-oriented, process-driven, which can be the enemy of innovation. Uh, but when you create a program like Engage, uh, where everyone builds relationship and a trust with each other, and you can you have those um, those engagements sort of pre-scheduled, you know, like we do with our accelerator program, uh, everyone shows up. It's game day, uh, you know, gets the right feedback, and and we work with the, both the corporates and the startups on you know where does it make sense to spend your time and energy, 
Uh, and it's been very successful. I think I mentioned earlier, we've had 100, over 120 contracts between those companies and startups. So, uh, you know, it's the magic is less than you think. It's about creating a set of activities that are valuable, so valuable for everyone that they'll participate. And then when they participate, they build those relationships and trust. They see how each other are doing it. And, uh, and you sort of have this, um, uh, uh, you know, patience and, and the Sherpa of the Engage program to work through it. And we see that with the startups we invest in out of our early stage fund, too. Some of them have gone through the Engage program, some of them not. Uh, but as they mature, um, you know, they go through that learning uh, as well. And we're able to help coach them through that. We're able to help make introductions and connections um, and leverage those same learnings and insights. But I think that the secret sauce to this is the is the engage program <laughs> engaging the being that intermediary is what allows these things to happen at a speed that they wouldn't happen at all maybe never uh, if there wasn't an engage in the middle of the interaction. Yeah, no doubt about it. And then and then to take that one step further, it's the commitment and vision of those executives. Um, you know, these are leading companies, you know, Chick-fil-A, Coca-Cola, Cox, Delta, Georgia Pacific, Georgia Power, Goldman Sachs, Home Depot, Honeywell, ICE, Inspire, Vesco, uh, UPS, Wellstar, you know, so these are, those logos are all great and those names are all great. But if you pause and think about it, it's also, you know, those are leaders in airline, communications, energy, healthcare, financial services, you know, it's, it's, it's the, it's the breadth of um, expertise that they bring. And so their vision and commitment to this and it's it's really about building those those relationships and that connectivity. So that's that's why I come back to you know it's the pickup basketball game in the middle of it all that empowers uh, that that empowers it all. And, and if you know, I think what um, uh, part of the magic of engage is you know hundreds or really now over over a couple thousand of corporate executives and startup leaders uh, that you know don't know each other now know each other. And uh, we've had, um, uh, you know, I, when we first launched Engage, I would sort of joke with the corporate executives that will know it's working when one of their executives quits to start a startup. Uh, you know, and we've had startups incubated inside these big companies that we spun out um, with the help of Engage and a company like Cloverly that was incubated and developed an idea and conceived of it, Southern Company. Uh, and then through Engage, we helped them nurture that into down a path. And as it became clear, it was a good opportunity. You know, our, our tech square early stage fund, uh, and provided the seed capital for that. And we helped, uh, put together the management team and built that into a standalone startup. That's now doing very well. So you're starting to see what a connected ecosystem looks like. And I think engage has played a huge role, uh, in helping accelerate that kind of connectivity in Atlanta that's benefiting not just engage, but really, you know, the region and all the participants. Right. It's, it's helping the corporates. It's helping the startups. It's helping the entire community. And you might equate it to a pickup game, a basketball game, but engage is the court, the ball, the ref and the coaches on each team. I mean, they're a key player as part of that equation. Yeah, for sure. So now, um, are you seeing, because you have your finger on the pulse of a lot of the new new technology that's happening, is there any areas right now in this area of, of the country, of the world, uh, that is most exciting for you as you look forward to 2023? Yeah, you know, 
at TechStore Ventures, I think because of all this activity we're doing that we've just talked about, you know, through the Engage partnerships, um, we really follow, we call it a market-led investment approach and uh, market-led insights investment approach. Um, and so a lot of times the themes that we get interested in are things that we're seeing uh, through the lens of these market leaders and we're hearing from them firsthand what they're seeing and why that's why that's uh, unique is it gives you the hardest part to figure out about what are emerging areas isn't necessarily what are the hot or emerging or new areas what's changing the world the hardest thing to figure out is the timing um, you know the example I use with my wife is you know, none of us are sitting around wondering if autonomous vehicles are part of our future uh, but it's it's harder to pick it's harder to predict the timing and what applications uh, will adopt it first. And so uh, some areas that we see in, for sure, obviously artificial, you know, broadly artificial intelligence and machine learning, you know, data analytics, that, that is a driver of lots of things. You know, if the internet boom was really about connecting at first millions and then billions of people, and then, you know, mobile phones and now, you know, uh, uh, you know, the past decade devices, you know, connecting millions and billions of devices. Now, now we're to the stage of, you know, we're just all these opportunities are that didn't exist 10 years ago because of these advancements and, um, and AI and not just the data analytics, but the actually all the technologies that had to exist first for us to have access to that data. So, so the influence of that will be huge in the, in the, in the coming decade. We're super excited about logistics and supply chain. Uh, that was a harder Harder thing to explain to people before COVID. Uh, I think the last two years, lots of people understand why um, uh, logistics and supply chain is a big opportunity now. Um, certainly, uh, sustainability and energy um, uh, is producing lots of uh, necessary um, innovations. Uh, so those are those are some of the bigger areas that we're excited and focused on, along with the things that we've always been. Uh, good at and our strengths here in the region, you know, broadly kind of infrastructure and automation, you know, cloud, uh, SaaS tools, and, and then customer experience and vertical platforms. A lot of what we've seen, uh, a lot of successes you've seen here in the past decade where it was about bringing these, you know, there, there's picks and shovels that enable the things we just talked about. And then there's very deep vertical applications of those, you know, what, um, you know, how do you apply that to financial services or how do you apply that to supply chain and what are the types of companies that come out of that? Uh, so those are some of the things that we're excited about and focused on. And, uh, and you kind of see that reflected in our portfolio. You see that reflected in the, uh, the early stage companies that we're investing in out of our uh, early stage fund. And you see that in the companies that are being selected for the Engage uh, program as well. Now, I know this isn't your um, area of expertise necessarily, but it's an area that I think that impacts uh, anytime you talk about this level of disruption and change. How would you advise a politician or uh, somebody that is a leader in government right now um, to, you know, partially stay out of the way to let these things uh, kind of blossom and bloom in the way that they can get some traction but also be um, recognized that some level of regulation is going to be needed at some point, but you don't want to be too premature. Uh, you're seeing some regulation happen, you know, way late, and maybe 
they start regulating a group that isn't even relevant anymore by the time it gets to the politician in Washington. Any advice for political leaders on how to manage this level of change and the speed at which it's happening? Yeah, huge topic. Um, it, what's interesting is, you know, you, you phrased this, stay out of the way. I don't, I don't think it's even that simple. Um, if you think about what makes, you know, what drives innovation, right? You know, ideas and people and capital. Um, and, and a lot of times the things that the government can do actually is just sort of remove some of the pebbles and the dam that have built up sort of some of the unintended consequences and regulations, you know, things, things where, uh, you know, making it, uh, you know, for sure, right. Things like immigration are a big deal. You know, sometimes when we get in debates about things like capital gains tax, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's easy to have these examples of these big giant, uh, you know, um, firms benefiting from it. And we, and we forget, right. That that's a driver, uh, behind, uh, the math behind venture capital and things like that. So I think some of it's just awareness and saying, okay, what do we, what can we do to, to um, do that? And, 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 you know, look, in the past decade, the government's actually, you know, been pretty good at that. It's, it's the point where people are asking questions like you're asking, Hey, should, you know, should they have stepped in and regulated crypto earlier or whatever? Um, but I think it's policies around access to capital. Uh, there's a lot of, um, uh, complexity and and the venture landscape that I think was designed, you know, to protect people during a different time period. It doesn't make a lot of sense that some of the people that work for our startups, you know, somebody that, uh, you know, is probably more qualified than 99.9% of the people to make a decision whether or not to invest in a startup can't because they're not accredited. Uh, yet that same employee can go to Vegas and, you know, take a spin at the roulette wheel. So, there's all sorts of things, and I think it's more. I think it's more about removing pebbles than adding new regulations. Uh, but anything that affects talent, you know, capital formation, um, those are all, uh, you know, important policy uh, decisions. And I think what p- politicians can do is um, is think about, you know, in the broader context of the things they're doing, are there unintended consequences? Uh, for early stage companies and for that uh, access to capital. And then in the, in their, whatever their particular domain is, you know, whether it's local um, or national, uh, economic development has always kind of bent. Um, economic development is maturing as well, right? Economic development was about recruiting things that aren't here to come here. And um, I think Atlanta, you know, we're really blessed to have, you know, Metro Chamber here and, you know, Land Committee for Progress and a lot, a lot of economic development organizations that I think are pretty forward thinking and get it that, you know, innovation is about building, you know, building locally. It's about building the conditions locally that will support and foster that. And so it's about empowering, you know, what's already here and building on that. Um, it's not something you can depend on picking up and moving here from somewhere else. Uh, so lot, lots of, uh, you know, lots of things on that front. But look, New new advances, you know, uh, everything blockchain, crypto. Um, yeah, you know, you, you see the consequences of of some uh, some of that, you know, lack of regulation. But I don't think anybody should be critical. Of that. I think I think the 
I think that we'd rather um, err on the side of, uh, you know, letting that innovation grow. And, uh, you know, obviously maybe there should be a little more oversight in some of those areas, but you don't want to stop it from spreading and, and, um, and, you know, the real promise that the blockchain and, you know, tokenization has may not, uh, you know, may not look like the internet was a great, you know, great example of that. If, uh, you know, we went through the same thing in the, in the nineties, right. With, uh, the, the, there was a lot of question of, should it be regulated more differently? Um, and had it been, you know, we certainly wouldn't be sitting where we are today with, with some of these innovation categories. Right. I agree. I, I think would just, I, I, I would encourage them to think about unintended consequences of what they do and how they can help facilitate and support their, the local activity. Uh, it's, it's just a giant flywheel. And if that ecosystem gets built and that ecosystem has local support, local capital, you know, local talent, all of those things, um, it will flourish. And, uh, and to whatever degree policy decisions can help with that, um, that's, you know, that's what will, that's what will foster innovation. Right. I agree. I think you have to get comfortable with some level of chaos and just let it play out a little, let the market tell you what's going to be here tomorrow. Um, not some politician that's picking winners. Yeah. I like to, I like to remind people that, you know, 2010 kind of sort of the peak of the pain after the great financial crisis. Uh, um, I read somewhere San Jose, California and, um, Austin, Texas had the lowest unemployment rates. And, you know, I, I don't think that's an accident. I think it's because they had, you know, local uh, thriving innovation ecosystems that were, um, uh, you know, con- you know, continuing to fuel that growth. Well, Blake, thank you so much for sharing your story today. Um, if somebody wants to connect with you, learn more about um, TechSquare Ventures or Engage, what's the coordinates, websites, uh, things like that. Yeah, so techsquareventures.com and engage.vc. So either of those websites will get you you to us. If you're an early-stage company looking to raise capital, um, that's what our early-stage fund does. That's the techsquareventures.com. And if you're interested in the uh, Engage uh, program for startups, that's the engage.vc. And uh, you can reach out to anybody on the team, all of our Email links are on our team page, and we would love to talk to you. Well, Blank, thank you again for sharing your story. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Well, thanks for having me, Lee, and uh, and thanks for giving us a chance to, to share it. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you next time on Atlanta Business Radio. 